Hi everyone, it's Carter. A quick disclaimer before the episode. Riley and I are teachers in the real world. That's not made up for the show. But one thing we do make up are students. Riley and I take our roles as public community members seriously and would never use the real names or personal experiences of students in our classes, past or present. As such, any student names you hear us say are made up on the spot, and stories about our classes are highly editorialized for entertainment. Also, we like to keep our show clean of inappropriate language or content, but we feel that the stories themselves should be read without censorship of language. A content warning will be in the show's description in case we need one. That's it. Enjoy the Fable Fellas. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Fable Fellas, fairy tales told unfairly. I'm Riley. And I'm Carter. Carter, how's your summer going? My summer is going just fine. You know, it's starting It's it's starting to feel like it's going by very quickly, but I am trying to combat that with two things. One, the knowledge that I've done a lot already. And two, the um, awareness that any time somebody in our positions complain about how short summer feels, we get zero sympathy from every single direction. You've learned so fast in such a short amount of time. I'm proud of you, Carter. (laughs) These are all things I had to learn the hard way. (laughs) I play a lot of video games. I've already gone on two trips. I've finished two books. Um... And yet somehow it feels like there's not enough time. Well, that's why we always get a little precious with what time we get to ourselves. Yeah, true. Very true. How's your summer? Good. Uh, My wife and I just got back from a week-long trip to Missouri to see friends. Very cool. Yep, the most hospitable state in the Union. Is that right? Is that what they call themselves? Yeah, Missouri Loves Company. So did you find... <laughs> <laughs> Hook, meet the line, and sinker. <laughs> Can I do mine? Yeah, sure. Can you say the thing about Missouri again? Ah, uh, Missouri. The mo- you ate the punchline, or yeah, no, the second part, the first part. Sorry. Ah, uh, Missouri, the-, the most hospitable state in the union. How many hospitals were there? <laughs> I like that one too. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, that one is more my brand of humor than my own. <laughs> people always getting injured in Missouri. Yep, probably because it's so hot and people aren't hydrating themselves. Hmm. I assume. Did you did you find that they were a generally a less hydrated population? I found that I was generally less hydrated after the first day. In fact, ah. I was so hydra- I was so dehydrated that uh, my blood sugar was going all over the place. Uh, I don't think it was ever mentioned on the show before. I'm a type 1 diabetic, and I could not figure out what was going wrong. And as it turns out, I was so dehydrated that my electrolytes were just not co- coming back. So I had to search whether or not Gatorade had made a sugar-free Gatorade flavor yet, and they had, and I went straight to the nearest gas station to get some. And thus, I fixed my issue. Can I ask you a question? The, the probably the least important question about all that. Absolutely. Um, did it? Were you were you uncertain that Gatorade would not have made a, a sugar free version of Gatorade at this point? I think the reason why I wasn't sure <laughs> is because I 
have a very strong memory of very early in my life drinking Gatorade before running a race. And I f- did not. And that was basically a newcomer to diabetes at the time. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that, what effect it would have on me. And I was miserable. The entire race was feeling sick as a dog. And when I tested after finishing the race, my numbers were in the 500s. So I think I was letting my trauma memories speak more for me than my actual common sense. Gotcha. Yeah, because, like, there's no there's no way that there's not a diet version of literally any American drink at this point. Yeah. Except for, like, I guess 100% fruit juice. Like, there's no... <laughs> yeah. You can't diet that. That defeats the purpose. The 100% fruit <laughs> juice is what we go for when we need that rescue. You're not going to find, like, a, a, a zero-calorie Adwala. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That would be bizarre. It would just be water. What a world. Celery juice, maybe. Carter, I have a question for you. Yo. Are you ready for the grand finale of the Z Fighter? <gasps> Is We're doing it? Okay. We're doing yes, it. I'm so ready. The place we're at now, if I pause anywhere, it's just going to completely tank the momentum for the next read. So we're just going to finish okay. the last two and a half pages of the Z Fighter. I don't want to do anything that upsets the momentum. Let's get going. All right. Now, when we last left off... Riley had an altercation with the Panda Man on the rooftop. He had a kind of big villainous monologue and flew away in a helicopter. And now that he's not there on the roof to control the zombies, they are pounding at the doors, ready to eat some dudes. Riley ran back over to join his friends. Guys, he said, breathing ruggedly, no matter what, we live through this. We do not die today. It was a no-brainer statement, but collectively, they understood what he meant. They would not be giving the Panda Man the satisfaction. Kyle nodded nervously as the door bent and bulged at the zombie's collective pounding. Kyle cocked his shotgun. DJ reloaded his other gun and aimed them both at the door. Ron revved up his chainsaw, and Riley stood at the front, sword at the ready. Right as the door busted open, spilling several dozen rotting corpses onto the ground, a pillar of flame shot up the stairwell, releasing its fury into a defenseless world. A cloud of heat fumed at the door, washing over the group. What the- Riley yelled, leaping away from the doorway, while slicing at the zombie closest to him like an angry golfer. It's a fire zombie, a rare fire zombie. Oh no- Gunfire. That's one of the specials. <laughs> Gunfire, both slow and repetitious. What What does that even mean? Both and, slow and repetitious. And rapid and furious. Whatever. Man, I was tired when I wrote this, clearly. Slow, repetitious, rapid, and furious? Is that what you're about to say? Yeah. Peppered the pile of undead slow, at the door as a second wave of fire leapt at the stairs. Ron leaped forward with his chainsaw and used it to gut one of the zombies like a trout. Then yanked it upward, sending its remains flying back down over the stairwell where a third like a trout <laughs> where a third flame shot barbecued it when the smoke of flames and gun smoke settled all that remained was charcoal marks on the stairs and a pile of quote-unquote residue next to the door <laughs> what was that <laughs> kyle coughed through the smoke the blaring horn of a semi-truck sounded on the floor below <laughs> again fantastic fully work carter <laughs> That would be Musa, Riley answered. Come on, hold your breath down the stairs. 
They ran quickly down the stairs, or met with the sight of a large semi-truck, tearing a path through the undead swarm. It was fire-red, with a pair of flamethrowers mounted to the sides of the car hood. In the driver's seat, a teenage black kid with glasses grinned wildly, honking the horn over and over. All aboard! Musa called. <laughs> Believe it or not, I never once thought to make it a stylistic horn. I just It just says here, regular horn. It says re- specifically regular horn. Not, not, not a, Well, not specifically regular horn. Not a vanity horn. Let it be known. I, it, How did the fire flamethrowers reach up the staircases up to the extra floors? I think a better question for Teenage Riley is how was Musa able to operate both of them with that much finesse when he's still in the driver's seat? That is incredible. My brain was running fully on Mad Max logic. Like, don't explain how any of this works. Just, it's cool. It's cool cars with weapons. It's cool. Without a minute's hesitation, the group ran down the remainder of the stairs, slicing and shooting zombies along the way, and piled through the door. Riley grinned and high-fived his best friend in the driver's seat. Bro, you have excellent timing. Compliment me after we get out of here. The instant the door slammed shut, Musa yanked at the wheel and stepped on the gas. The truck piled through waves of zombies as it tore down the on-ramp. You can tell I was very tired in writing the finale here because I don't really get very descriptive, as not, not nearly as much as I did in earlier uh, pages. It's just zombies. He shot a zombie. He kicked a zombie. He burned a zombie. Hey, a, a zombie was gutted like a trout. That might be the last time we ever got any kind of imagery, though. Perhaps, yeah. Well, no, then the 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 um the stairs were charcoal stained. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Don't sell yourself short, man. Unless you're about to say time passes. <laughs> no, but I do have three asterisks to note a jump. <laughs> I time passes. <laughs> I suppose we didn't get our guy. Musa said with a sigh, as they drove along the abandoned roads. They're now in an urban area. The broken remains of homes flew by Riley's windows. How many of these houses still had undead occupants in them, he wondered. No, Riley said sleepily. And now I just have more questions than before. Musa raised an eyebrow. Yeah, about what? he asked. I'll tell you in the morning. For now, just keep driving. Riley grumbled as he sank lower in the seat. Musa nodded in response, keeping his eyes on the road. He'd known Riley long enough to know not to keep pushing him when he was tired. What was your question? What was your question? What was your question? What was your question? I'm going to play Vanga Bus if you don't <laughs> tell me what your questions were. I'll play it really loud. Uh, Riley blinked his blurry eyes and stared out the window. Tiny flakes of snow had begun drifting in front of the headlights again. Riley's eyes went to Musa, watching the road responsibly, then checked the rearview mirror to look at Kyle, also staring out the window, then to DJ and Ron, who were discussing some automated defense program or something It always went straight over his head. He smiled and leaned back in his seat. Bring it on, you panda-faced freak, Riley thought to himself. My world's gonna beat the living hell out of yours. Just you wait and see. Within minutes, Riley's snores echoed through the truck cabin. Like what? They just echoed. No, but like if you had a, if this was if you had a chance to go back and 
breathe some extra life into this ending piece. G- give me some metaphors. Chuck in some similes. His snoring filled the okay. cabin. <clears> like... <throat> Within minutes, Riley's snores echoed through the truck cabin like a pit bull with really bad allergies. <laughs> <laughs> well, he lasted about 15 minutes more this night, Ron said with a laugh. I don't know how he can sleep at all after all of that, Kyle said incredulously. Well, that's Riley for you, Musa said, shaking his head with a grin. And off they drove into the snowy night. And you know, I clearly had big ideas for a series about this, and it Mm -hmm. never went anywhere. (laughs) We like to party. Wow. Amazing. No more. Yeah, that is the conclusion of the, the Z Fighter. The Z Fighter. The Chronicles of, Z- of Zarnia. Ben Sunset. <laughs> ben Sunset. There's a good NPC name. And I like that. <laughs> I'm Ben Sunset. Ah, uh, well. Do you think you'd ever? Do you think you'd ever um, revive the Z Fighter? The ongoing tales of Riley and Musa and DJ and Chaz or whatever. I probably wouldn't do any self-inserting a second time around. That would make a revival very difficult. Yeah, wouldn't it? (laughs) I don't know. Such a long time has passed since I was really into zombie stories. I'm not sure if I would really feel a push for that. Yeah, well, I mean, you're ignited the the podcast. Well, there we go. I guess say zombie fiction is uh, over rich these days. Mm-hmm. Or at least it certainly was maybe about five years ago at like The Walking Dead's height. Even The Walking Dead burned out and burned out hard. Right. I, I, I've heard that about the show. But I never ended up watching, I think, past season two. Really? Although I, I read quite a ways of the into the graphic novel. Mm. A lot of people stopped in the show at the exact same point as they did in the comics, which was when Negan showed up and the suspension of disbelief quickly petered out. <laughs> um, whoa, that's a lot of suns. Are you ready for a story? I am. This is a story by P.C. Asbjornsson. P.C. Asbjornsson. As Bjornsson. PC as this is a tale from Norway, could you tell? Alright. I think this might be the first tale from Norway that we have done. Yes, this is true. We've not done a tale from Norway. And this 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 story might get the uh honorific for story with the creepiest title, although I have no idea what it's about. Wow, alright. In the book. Exciting. Say. This is The Doll in the Grass. Okay. By P.C. Abjornsson. By politically correct Asbjornsson. <laughs> the doll in the grass, you said? The Yes, the doll in the grass. Well, that definitely has the sort of vibe of a Joe Hill short. What was that? That's the that's that one that's the organ um lick that they always play in the old, in the horror in horror oh, stuff like God, whenever they... yeah 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 I wish I knew what that song was called because I was looking for it I <laughs> Okay Alexa what's the song that goes 
Okay, so when, every time that we have done trivia and we get to the one round, the Castle Game Freak, I've always wanted to play like an 8-bit version of that song just because it feels like thematically appropriate, mm. but I never know what yes. to YouTube search. It's it's the sound that you hear in your head whenever you see a dark castle lit up by lightning. Yeah, and there's That's bats. The, then the music comes in. It's always that music. Really, uh, if you know what that's really called, hit title. us up in our uh, comments. Leave a comment telling us the name of that music, and also leave a five star review so we know to look for you. Yeah, exactly. If it's lower than that, we won't believe you. Yeah, we won't, <laughs> and we won't fact check you either. And we'll dox you. <laughs> okay, we won't dox you. No, we won't. Once upon a time, there was a king who had twelve sons. Already terrifying. Yeah. Mothers, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty. That's too many sons. <laughs> if I've when they... if I've seen anything based <laughs> off of stories that have like kings and royalty and lines of succession, that's gonna be a mess for that family. For real, cheaper by the dozen. I've seen that movie. I know how it goes. When they were grown up, he told them that they must go out into the world and find themselves wives, who must all be able to spin and weave and make a shirt in one day, else he would not have them for daughters-in-law. Oh, you know? Find a wife! The one that comes back with the best one is going to be the one that spins, that spins, five, five, skines today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No, that's not daughter, daughter, Yeah, daughter. No, that is daughter, five, five. My wife is dirty face. Dirty face. face. See if now that you see if you can see if you can find a wife like Darter Five Pies from the town over. She was a legend in her day. And on the day that the king married her, he's like, "You are no longer Darter Five Pies. You're now wife Five Pies." <laughs> the circle of life. This is a musical episode. Yeah. He gave each of his sons a horse and a new suit of armor, and so they set out in the world to look for wives. When they had traveled a bit on the way, they said they would not take Ashpatal with them, for he was good for nothing. <laughs> now, I am guessing at that name, and I, did, I read it sight on scene. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how it's spelled. Okay. A-S-H. A-S-H. I-E. I-E. P-A-T-T-L-E. I think Ashpadal is a good guess. I think it's a good guess, and also it's the most fun guess we were going to get out of that. <laughs> so uh, they took Ashpadal. So <laughs> Eleven of the brothers kicked Ashpadal out of their cool group, <laughs> their cool wife hunt. Listen, I've known many people. I've never met a single group of more than seven people all together in a group where all of them were so cool that they just ostracize one. Every group has an Ashpadal, is what you're saying. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, no group is so perfect that they can all just unanimously say, well, we're better than Ashpadal. Like, you're, See, you're never going to get so realize. consistent a level of quality if you've got 11 people in a group. 
Well, Oshpala was such a punching bag, you know, for them that they really rounded out all of the rough edges of the other 11. Now that they've kicked him out, they are just going to turn to infighting, and there's never going to be a wife found in this whole country. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They needed Oshpala, as boring and as much of a sack (laughs) of mud as he is. Oshpala was the lightning (laughs) rod that kept the whole thing from tearing itself apart. Both both a conduit for um for synergy and a useless pile of sticks. <laughs> as it says here. Wait, what? It actually says well, that? Well, it says he was good for nothing, which is why they left Oshpaddle behind. Oh, okay. Oshpaddle must stop behind. There was no help for it. He did not know what he should do or which way he should turn. He became so sad that he got off the horse and sat down on the grass and began to cry. Aww. I'm glad it said he got off the horse because there was a part of me that thought Oshpaddle might have been one of their horses. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we might have had to cut all the bit out about. I wasn't sure was where that statement was going for a second. I thought you were going to say that there's something deeply sad about a man riding a horse and crying. <laughs> <laughs> you, this guy is so dependent on his brothers that once they leave him, he's got a horse. He's got a new suit of armor. He can't go find a wife with that. I don't know. Oshpottles. Maybe Osh- he's got to learn some drive. You know, he's got to be a self-starter. Bootstraps. You know. I'm not gonna say the ele- uh, the other eleven brothers were right, but it's not a good look, Oshpottle. It's not a good look, Oshpottle. Yeah, it's not gonna be easy to find. Well, who knows if it's not gonna be easy to find a wife. Uh, that might be the easiest way to find a wife. Yeah, in we weren't there. <laughs> when he had sat down a while, one of the tussocks among the grass began to move, and out of it came a small white figure. As it came nearer Oshpaddle, oh, sorry, as it came nearer, Oshpaddle saw that it was a beautiful little girl, but she was so tiny, so very, very tiny. She went up to him and asked him if he would come below and pay a visit to the doll in the grass. Okay, this is terrifying. Yeah, whoa. (laughs) That's not the doll in the grass. I thought this was the doll in the grass, but no, this is just a very, very tiny little girl. This is an emissary of the doll in the grass. The doll in the grass waits below. (laughs) Come below. (laughs) Too bad there's no, um, oh no, there is, there is dialogue here. I can do a voice in just a moment. Uh, yes, that he would, and so he did. When he came down below, the doll in the grass was sitting in a chair, dressed very finely and looking still more beautiful. She asked Oshpaddle where he was going and what was his errand. I, I was going with my brothers, they were going to find us wives, and they kicked me out because they said I was just a sack of corn. Doesn't say any of that. He told them that there were 12 brothers and that the king had given them each a horse and a suit of armor and told them to go out in the world and find themselves wives, but they must all be able to spin and weave and make a shirt in a day. This is what Oshpala truly does say. This is a little repetitious. If you can do that and will become my wife, I will not travel any farther, said Oshpaddle to the doll in the grass. <laughs> ah, come on, Oshpaddle. You can't settle for the first eldritch being living beneath the grass that you come across in your journey. <laughs> It comes, it's giving desperation. (laughs) As the kids say these days. Yep. So, yeah, man. Yes, that she would. Okay. And she set to work at once to get the shirt spun, woven, and made. But it was so tiny, so very, very tiny, no bigger than so, no bigger than dash so exclamation mark very next sentence oshpaddle then returned home what 
I don't know. Hold oh. on. I'll just... Okay. I'm going to read it as written Okay, here. I'm listening. I'm listening. It was so very tiny, no bigger than... So, Ashpottle then returned home, mm. taking the shirt with him. I but when... think someone forgot to update this in the version that went off to print. Like there's a page missing. God, no bigger <laughs> than... Oh, you know so, what? This this story was written before bread boxes were invented, so they had no way to specify. Oh, that's what it was. Now, this is a clever workaround, though, to the king's request. You didn't say how big the shirt had to be. Oh, that's true. That's true. That may give you that. The points of that uh, of that cleverness may outweigh. The fact that the king is now going to have to accept that his daughter-in-law is a tiny little baby doll. Yeah, see, if the king is a truly wise man, he will see that, you know, it wasn't exactly what he asked for, but it shows ingenuity. It does. It does. It's cleverness, ingenuity. He went down below into the terrifying <laughs> into grass. Into the underdark. Um, yeah. Now, here's what I want to know. When they say doll... <clears throat> do they Correct. mean by, like, our standards, just a small maybe cloth figure made in the likeness of a human child, you know, a dolly, something they play with, or uh-huh. is that maybe like an old word for a small petite creature? Is it just like a small, oh. is it a small lady living in the grass or is it like a raggedy Ann doll that's moving and bouncing around? Now this is a great point. Cause it doesn't even say how small the doll is. Yeah, it is very possible that yeah, like you say, like "Hey, doll" as like as as a you know to refer to somebody. Hey, toots. Hey, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you need a shit doll face <laughs> in one day. <laughs> yeah, depending on which one it is, this story is either the borrowers or it's Annabelle. You need me a shit in one day. I'll make you a princess. <laughs> what do you think of the bargain? Ashpottle then returned home, taking the shirt with him. But when he brought it out, he felt very shy, because it was so small. But the king said he could have her for all that, and you can imagine how happy and joyful Oshpottle then became. Wow, not a lot of uh, explanation on the king's front. Just, yeah, that's fine. Okay, that's a shirt. All right, yep. (laughs) Fine. Works as intended, thank you. You're the youngest and most useless brother. Once again, you're not in line for the throne. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you've got 11 brothers who have to all have terrible tragic accidents oh you know what you become king. <laughs> this can connect to our cinderella story exactly where, this is what i'm saying yeah where the guy that was going nuts over the shoe is also one of the later brothers where the king just does not have to worry about it oshpod is like fine you know what you showed up with a shirt this is way more than i expected of you anyway <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that other prince's strategy after Cinderella's slipper fit, fit so well, the prince was like, great, great, great. Okay, how fast can you knit? <laughs> I wonder, can you convince my dad that a shoe is just a shirt that made a different life choice? Yeah, and can you also convince him that you knitted this glass? You're going to have to do both. Check this out, dad. My wife knits glass. This is crazy. My what do you do? Is- so nuts <laughs> my wife's blowing my mind dude for real for real <laughs> the road did not seem long to him as he set out to fetch his little sweetheart when he came to the doll in the grass he wanted her to sit with him on his horse but no that she wouldn't she said she would sit and drive in a silver spoon and she had two small white horses which would draw her okay i'm getting more clues that she's just a tiny yeah, doll yeah just in a v- well if it's a spoon <laughs> 
Yeah. If it's a spoon, I'm thinking more borrower's size. So maybe right. just very teeny tiny. <clears throat> and very, very small horses. Very small horses, very small spoons. So they set out, he on his horse, and she in the silver spoon, and the horses which drew her were two small white mice. Okay, well then they're not horses. Well, come on, they're, PC. They're horses to a borrower. To a dwarf. You can't just call them horses and then say the horses, which were mice. <laughs> Words That's, mean things! Yeah, what do you mean? This is, a, uh, this is an unreliable narrator, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> no, I no, I like this because they, they clarify it immediately. They're not an unreliable narrator, they're just a bad narrator. Yeah. <laughs> This is this is the um this is the doll referring to these mice as horses and then the narrator pulling us aside and being like they're not horses they're not they're, they're mice sure mice they're little mice she thinks they're horses just let her keep <laughs> I want to see a narrator do that just constantly correct the characters of the story even if it has no <laughs> bearing oh like in uh like in uh Midsummer Night's Dream where when they're doing the Pyramus and Thisbe scene at the end and. Nick Bottom's constantly talking to that. It's like, well, no, they're not actually going to kill each other. Like, yeah, thank you, Nick. We can figure out they're not actually going to commit suicide on stage, you idiot man. <laughs> Everybody relax. <laughs> Chill. Okay, it's, we call this a play. <laughs> it's theater. Think of it like a really cool prank. It's not real. It's not real. That's not a real gun. <laughs> Those aren't real swords, okay? It's not a real lion. Stop crying. <laughs> That's not the moon, idiot. <laughs> That's not Juliet. Her real name's Marge. <laughs> she's a cocktail waitress during the daytime and she's pretending. Name's not Tibble. That's actually my brother. We have a good relationship. It's pretend, okay? It's, it's make believe. Okay. God, you guys Read are a so book. thick. You paid money to be in and here. And the audience hasn't said a single thing. <laughs> <laughs> They're like all looking at like, what, like, man? We know. What is your problem, dude? <laughs> you, hey, you're being really rude. Yeah, you're being really rude. And he's like, shh. Audience isn't supposed to talk. Don't you know that? God, I gotta teach you everything. Look at the sign. Theater. <laughs> um, Oshpottle always kept to one side of the road, for he was so afraid he should ride over her. She was so very, very tiny. When they had traveled a bit on the way, they came to a large lake. There, Oshpottle's horse took fright and shield over to the other side. Oh no, of the a road lake! And, yeah, and upset the spoon so that the doll in the grass fell into the water. No, Oshpottle became very sad. For he did not <laughs> he know. Didn't even, it's like, he didn't even nope. panic or try to save. He's like, oh, my wife's uh, dead. Uh, uh, dang. Come on, take some ownership well, of your life, Oshpottle. Easy come, easy go. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, okay, so the lake scared the horse. The horse moved to the other side of the road, which upset the spoon. So she fell into the lake. Um, after a while... A merman brought her up. Oh. <laughs> Neat. But now... Oh! <laughs> but now she had become just as big as any other grown-up being. Oh, cool! And, and was much Thanks, more than she was before. Awesome! This lake rocks, dude! 
So she was just dehydrated like you <laughs> in Missouri. Yeah, she just needed those electrolytes. She just needed some like water. The doll in the grass just had to fall into the Gatorade lake and get rescued by a merman. Like one of those sponge toys. It's theater, okay? <laughs> it's make-believe. She fell into the Gatorade lake. Buy into it. Dolls don't really talk, okay? Imagine it. Um, with your brain. You got a brain, don't you? God, use your head. This guy, this character we've invented is the, the most abrasive, <laughs> yeah. most annoying person we've ever come up with. The most condescending thespian in the world. <laughs> the condescending thespian. <laughs> yeah, I love this guy. I mean, I would hate him if he were real, but for oh, yeah. but for humor's sake. Um, She was much more beautiful than she was before, so he placed her in front of him on the horse and rode home. When Ashpadal got there, all his brothers had also returned. Really? Each with a sweetheart. Yep. Wow. I thought oh, those guys is... would be gone for a while. No, no, no. Apparently, it's not that hard to come back with a sweetheart when you're one of 12 princes. Well, yeah, but a sweetheart who knows how to sew a shirt in a day? Uh, well, let's find out. Yeah, I don't know. It's Norway. I don't know anything Man, about Norway now. With a sweetheart. And I just want everybody to know that this is the book's words. Uh-oh. But they were so ugly and ill-favored and bad-tempered that they had come to blows with their sweethearts on the way home. Oh, no. On their heads, they had hats, which were painted with tar and soot, and this had run from their hats down their faces so that they were still uglier and more ill-favored to behold. That... I don't like any of that. <laughs> don't like that. When the brothers saw Oshpaddle's sweetheart, they all became envious of him. But the king was so pleased with Oshpaddle and his sweetheart that he drove all the others away. And so Oshpaddle was married to the doll in the grass. And afterwards, they lived happy and comfortable for a long, long while. And if they are not dead, they must be still alive. The end. Well, yeah, that's how everyone in the world works. <laughs> hey, if you're not dead, you're alive. That's what I'm always telling my kids. That's what I'm always saying. Hey, you're not dead. If you're not dead, you're alive. You're and if you're alive, see if, see if you can <laughs> find the wife who can knit a shirt in a day. Hey, what do you think? Hey, you want to get out there and really go, really go, go get them. All right, let's talk thematics. Yeah, What's so. the theme of the doll in the grass? Uh, the theme of the doll in the grass is. Hold on, I'm adjusting my microphone here. You giving yourself some time to think. I got you. Uh, obviously, uh, you should be so lazy and useless that you're ostracized from your merry band of brothers. So lazy that you give up the task set before you quickly as you can. Now, Carter, and I'm sure you already you... know that when coming up with theme statements, they need to be separate and can stand alone from the story you got them from. You're right. Um, hold on. Let me let me back up and try this again. <clears throat> uh, when you are presented with opportunities in life, you should do the least amount of work to achieve them, because a little demon creature will make all of your dreams come true. Mm, there Full were improvements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything that happens in the story just happens by happenstance right nothing really connects to it it's just this is not a cautionary tale this is not a lesson this is not a uh yeah this is 
This is a fairy tale through and through. And not only that, it's not a fairy tale that really is cohesive. Usually when things are fixed, they are fixed because the characters learned something or because they happened upon like a solution to their issues. She fell into the water, was rescued by a merman who then pieced off out of the story and was never seen from again. And for some reason, taking a dip in the water made her big. This all happened completely at random. This is, this is as if a child actually told this story. Well, it, it, to me, it reeks of, uh, missing 90% of its context. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that it was missing some of its own words when it was, <laughs> the shirt was bigger than, anyway. This, yeah, exactly. This has a little ankle bone issue where it's like, yeah. okay, perhaps there is so much more to understand in Norwegian <laughs> then uh then then this this kind of cut for time version of the story okay so you think They're that like, culturally we're still left in a lurch i think so i think that's what's going on here because what we get here the mad there's there's some magical moments i mean it has the right ingredients you've got a dehydrated little um doll that when you dunk in water reinflates to a to a fully fledged woman i really thought this story would be scarier than it actually was when she inflated in the lake i lost it yeah she's she's fine now good again so it's uh yeah it's it's hard to suss out but i think the story speaks for itself uh in that it it just kind of it stands on its own and there's not much we can do to prop it up <laughs> It's true, which is why I would say, yeah, I don't think it deserves a second chance. I don't think it deserves... It definitely did not earn the sort of longevity that other fairy tales have. And I think because it's so culturally dependent that when you don't have the cultural background, it reads like nonsense. If you were going to bring this to the... uh, If you were going to get yourself out your typewriter and write a spec script and you were going to bring it to the mouse, you are going to bring it to Walt, how would you make this work? How would you make Walt Disney want to buy this story from you so that they could make their Disney-fied version of it? That is tough because I was about to make a joke about how I think I once told a more cohesive story when I was seven. I was playing with my Batman action figure and my Leonardo Ninja Turtle action figure. But uh, Mm. give me a second and think. Um, Okay, first, Osh Bottle has got to be hot. Osh Bottle's hot. Like, not like a total smoke show, but he's got to be at least... Like an an attractive sort of shyness about him, like a like Linguini from Ratatouille. Let's do this. Um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Walt Disney. I'll just play Walt Disney. <gasps> okay. And, and um, so uh, come on in. Uh, hello, Mister Disney, sir. Uh, <clears throat> you're looking very nice today with your disembodied head fresh out of the freezer. Thank you for saying so. Most people just look at what's beneath my floating head. I'm trying not to look at what's beneath your floating head, sir. Out of respect. Eyes up here. Tell me what you got. So, this story is called The Doll in the Grass. It is about a young prince who's got big ideas. He wants to prove himself, but he is a prince with 11 siblings obviously that's going to make things hard and when his father that would be the horror story for any mother (laughs) absolutely that's what my dear friend carter said earlier today and 
the father gives them all a task to return with wives who are able to complete a certain task. And if they can't, then they're not supposed to come home at all. And the other is just... What's the task? uh, The task is to create a shirt in one day. Can people do that? I don't know, but based off of the uh, cultural background we're pulling from, yes, we'll assume that this is something that's challenging, but not impossible. That's amazing. Not like spinning five skines. That would be bonkers. No, I still have never been able to find someone who could do me five skines. Oh, well... Well, then let's do lunch later. Have I got a girl for you? Um, (laughs) Please continue. And so uh, the brothers leave him behind. And while he is dejected, worrying about what to do next, he uh, finds this tiny little girl in the glass. She's like doll-like, just tiny, tiny little girl in the grass. Just a tiny little lady. Now, is she like a doll or is she like a doll? Oh, she's both, sir. And so much more. (laughs) Anyway, Go on. Uh, they start talking. He starts talking about his frustrations and his woes. She doesn't know much about the world because she's so small. She's lived in this little patch of grass all her life, but she wants to learn more about the world. And by learning more about the world, she learns more about him. What starts off as a friendship turns into love. They go on a journey back to the castle. It becomes a journey because for her, it's a lot longer of a walk. And oh, sure, but it was like right next door. <clears throat> right. Ultimately, she does fall into a lake, and oh, wow. that's okay, though, because... Um, it's like the dramatic third act, like the climax. Yes, because he is so upset about losing his, who he just then realizes is true love, he cries into the lake, which activates magic in the lake that brings her up to full oh. size, so she's not going to drown in the lake. Okay, but nobody, like, rescues her or brings her out of the lake or... no. Nobody <laughs> rescues her. She, she just comes out of the She lake comes herself. out of the ra- lake and they embrace and no one else is there to see it but the horse. What about her mice? Did she did you say she had mice? Horse mice? How'd you know about the horse mice? <laughs> I just Sir, this. your vision. I, is I, I next hear level. a lot of these every day. <laughs> and then they go home, they get married, the other princes don't come back because they did not seal the deal. The end. Brilliant. I wanna I I I want I want it shot, casted, ran through. Uh, I want my armies of of painters to get on that right away. Uh, you may you may head out. I'll offer you a million dollars, and on your way out, please tell Madge to fill up my tank with more snacks. <laughs> Will do, sir. You know what? <laughs> I I think we've done all we can with the story at this point. That's true. Speaking of stories, uh, what have you been reading recently? Uh, I've been reading a lot of stuff recently. On my Missouri trip, I wrapped up a number of books that I had been working on all at once. So right now, I'm kind of in between books. So for my recommendation this week, I'm going to recommend a book I've been thinking of a lot that I read about a year ago. It's called The Shadow Glass by Josh Winning. So it's a story about this kid whose father is a... Jim Henson type of dude who created this movie called The Shadow Glass that was a cult sensation in the 90s. And now the kid is grown up. He's estranged from his father. He learns that his dad has passed away and he's inherited his dad's property. And while touring it, he gets attacked by a creature from the movie. Somehow his dad 
was writing about a place that actually exists in a world parallel to ours. So the whole story is about him finding a way to protect both his world and the other world, and also come to terms with the really complicated path that his relationship with his dad took in their in his adult years. It is really well written, it's heartfelt, it's got big labyrinth and dark crystal vibes and i really like how every chapter ends and begins with a document from the world that makes the movie feel more real like it's either a review or an article about the impact of the movie or a description about a character from like a encyclopedia that someone wrote it's a really thorough and really thoughtful book and i keep thinking about it even though i finished it like a year year and a half ago I also have I read that book uh, not uh, pretty recently on your recommendation. Oh, really? And I thought it was oh, that's like, right. Yeah, I, I remember I, that. Fully, yeah, I fully read that book too. Um, it's great. It's uh, I would say it answers the question of like what what do the children of um what do the children of 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 nerd icons do when they have such a different relationship with that icon than the glorified, uh, basically, um, deified version of them was not the way that they saw them. Absolutely. And in fact, it was like far, far, far flung from that. Yeah. Even to the point where when we meet the character at the start of the story, he doesn't even, he can't even admit to himself anymore just how much the movie meant to him his entire life because his relationship with his dad is so, kind of fractured because of how much this thing took up their lives. And then he has to contend with people who also love it a lot, trying to like connect with him. People who love it to a toxic degree, who are kind of the secondary antagonists in a really cool way in the story. It's it's such a thoughtful text. It really is. It is. It's it's a good, it's a good exploration of that. There's a lot of action. Um, but I do. I think the best parts of it are like when you kind of when it, when he's grappling with because he's almost his own eye. He's famous in his own way, just by being the son of this Jim Henson stand-in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good read, fast read too. Yeah, not not a behemoth of a book. Motored through it in about a week. It's very very doable. Awesome. Well, you want to wrap us up? Absolutely. Thanks for joining us this week, everybody. If you like what you heard, you can find us on Spotify. Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Now, I would hope if you like what you heard, you already knew where to find us, but let's not worry too much about those temporal loops. But, like, if you have a friend who's like, I would rather um, snap my phone in half than put Spotify on it, you can be like, great. Do you use Google? And they'd be like, oh, I love Google. I love it so much. Yeah. I hug and I Literally kiss everybody uses Google. Like, Google. I, well, you can get it on Google Podcasts. This is for you to recommend to other people. It gives you the freedom to say there's n- literally no reason why you cannot be listening to our show. Yeah, so do it. <laughs> I'm Riley. I'm Carter. And this has been The Fable Fellas. Keep it vitty, everybody. Vitty, 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 vitty.